The epistle for Passion Sunday is taken from St. Paul's Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 9. Brethren, Christ becoming a high priest of the good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation, neither by the blood of goats or of calves, but of his own blood entered once into the holies, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and of oxen and the ashes of an heifer being sprinkled, sanctify such as are defiled to the cleansing of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who by the Holy Ghost offered himself without spot to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And therefore he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of his death for the redemption of those transgressions which were under the former testament, they that are called may receive the promise of an eternal inheritance in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 8. At that time, Jesus said to the multitude of the Jews, Which of you shall convince me of sin? If I say the truth to you, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth the words of God. Therefore you hear them not, because you are not of God. The Jews therefore answered and said to him, Do we not say well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. But I seek not my own glory, there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Amen, amen, I say to you, if any man keep my word, he shall not see death forever. The Jews therefore said, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead in the prophets, and thou sayest, If any man keep my word, he shall not taste death forever. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom dost thou make thyself? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father that glorifieth me, of whom you say that he is your God. And you have not known him, but I know him. And if I shall say that I know him not, I shall be like to you a liar. But I do know him, and I do keep his word. Abraham your father rejoiced that he might see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews therefore said to him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus saith to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, Before Abraham was made, I am. They took up stones therefore to cast at him, But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who by the Holy Ghost offered himself unspotted to God, Cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. These are words taken from the epistle of today's Mass in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear people, we are at somewhat of a disadvantage because there are terms that we hear in sacred scripture that for centuries meant one thing, but to us today they mean the exact opposite. For instance, there is the word Pharisee. For centuries, this stood as a sign of one who really loved God, a man who had dedicated his entire life to God, and in a very special way, meant that he was going to keep the law of God better than many others. 
to call someone a Pharisee for the centuries leading up to the time of our Lord would have been very similar to how we use the title of religious today to refer to a priest or a monk or a nun. And so now when we hear the scribes and the Pharisees, we think of those who made our Lord's life miserable during his public life and were so instrumental in putting him to death. Another word that has a very bad connotation for us is the word high priest. When we hear high priest, especially in sacred scripture, we think of those two most corrupt men, Annas and Caiaphas, who put our Lord to death. But the office of high priest was actually a very glorious office. It was instituted by God himself, and it was carried out for many, many years with the most striking symbolism and grandeur. In today's epistle, then, when St. Paul referred to our Lord as the high priest of things to come, his audience would not have brought to mind Annas and Caiaphas and their treachery and their terrible corruption. They would have brought to mind this glorious image of a high priest, which they had held pristine for so many ages. They would have thought of the times in their life when they had been to the temple, especially that time each year when the high priest would be taking part in the festivities. And what would have come to their mind was a very holy man, dressed in the finest vestments, resembling very much our priest at the altar on very solemn feast days. But even more than the vestments that we wear at the altar, the high priest for his male, as they called it, or what we refer to as a chasuble, would have had two large squares hanging in front of him and behind him. On the one square that was made of linen would have been sewn in the name of six of the tribes of Abraham on his front and six on his back. This referred to their private works, their interior life. This represented the whole chosen people. But then over that was another placard, two large squares, one in the front and one in the back. And on this hung six precious stones on each side. And into those stones was once again engraven the name of one of the children of Abraham, one of the tribes of Israel. And so that impressive sight of the high priest carrying the names of the tribes of Israel on his front and on his back, representing all of them before God. And then on his head was a headdress very similar to our bishop's mitre, but across the front of it, on a gold band, were written the words, Holy to the Lord. And it was this imposing figure, this representative of prayers going to God for the entire race of people, is what the people of Rome would have brought to mind, the Hebrews of Rome would have brought to mind, when they first read those words of St. Paul, calling our Lord the new high priest. And so we can imagine that this was very special to them. But the people would have also known one other thing that we might not know in our day. And that is that once a year, the high priest would put aside all of those great and glorious garments. He would spend the entire night in prayer, just as our Lord would one day spend the night in prayer in the Garden of Olives 
before atoning for our sins. And this night was in preparation for what was called the Day of Atonement. It was the greatest day in the Jewish year for asking God for pardon of sins. Then early in the morning, when the priest would be dressed for his services of the day, he would put on just a simple white robe. He would look like all the other priests in the temple, which again was a prefigurement for our Lord, who in his sacred humanity would bear our sins upon the cross. Our Lord did not go upon the cross with his divinity resplendent as he did on Mount Tabor. But when he went up Mount Calvary, he was, he, from all external appearances, was a man just like the rest of us. And on that day that the high priest was then stripped of all of his external dignity and went before the Holy of Holies dressed as a simple priest, he would sprinkle the blood of the, as St. Paul says, of an ox and of a heifer. And that was meant to show our Lord, to show God himself, that they were sorry for their sins and ask God for repentance, the grace of repentance and forgiveness from those sins. But then what St. Paul was trying to bring home was as great as that right was, and as much as the chosen people for so many centuries had asked God for repentance, how much more glorious was it that our Lord did not sprinkle the blood of a goat or of a calf, but gave his own precious blood, every last drop of it, for the remission of our sins. When our Lord entered the holies, as it were, or began his passion, he was freeing mankind for all time and all eternity of the eternal punishment due to sin. He was opening the gates of heaven for us, and he was truly our high priest. The grandeur and the magnificence then of the high priest was spectacular to behold, but how much greater is the grandeur of the person of the Son of God? He did not need our names written on tablets on his person like the high priest of old. Our Lord had each and every single one of our names written in his sacred heart. He did not need to sprinkle the blood of an unknowing and unknown animal. He gave us his own precious blood. Let us then on this Passion Sunday stop and consider the great benefit that we derive from the intercession and the redemption of our High Priest. Back on Ash Wednesday, we were reminded that we are from Ash and to Ash we will return. This inspired us to take a look at our lives and see how can we make certain sacrifices and atonement throughout the holy season of Lent for all the times that we may have offended God in the past? How can we show him our appreciation that he has raised us from nothing, from ash, to the status of being his sons? And over these five weeks or so, sometimes human nature can creep in there. Maybe we haven't held to our resolutions as well as we wanted to on Ash Wednesday. Maybe the fast and the abstinence have become somewhat second nature to us, and they're no longer the sacrifice that they were back then. That is why the church gives us another visible reminder of the season that we're in. 
Today she has covered the statues, the pictures, even the crucifixes with dark purple. She wants to remind us today of how stark and miserable our lives would be without the merits of Christ. He who made the saints what they are and who died on the cross to save our souls, these are now blocked from our sight for two weeks. And it's meant to inspire us to renew our determination to live our lives so we will not be separated from Christ for all eternity by mortal sin. These are the most serious two weeks of the entire church year, my dear friends. The church has entered most solemnly into the sadness and to the mourning of the death of her founder. And she wants us, her children, to do the same. He died as a high priest for our sins. If then it has been some time since we've made a good confession, it is best to prepare to do so now and to take advantage of the increased amount of confessions that we will have here in the chapel. If there is some person, place, or thing in our life that is keeping us from receiving the sacraments worthily, let us ask our eternal high priest for the grace to get rid of this occasion immediately, to tell him from our hearts how much we love him and appreciate all he did for us. Our Lord took the matter of our soul's salvation so seriously that he died for it. He then instructed his beloved spouse to take our salvation so seriously that for 2,000 years she has observed Lent and Passion Tithe to help remind us of all that our Lord did for us on Good Friday. Let it never be said that we take less care for the salvation of our own souls. Especially, it must never be said that we care less for our souls than we do for the things of this world. In the epistle, it was sufficient for St. Paul to simply mention to the Hebrews that our Lord was the high priest, and they knew all that this meant. Now that we have a better understanding, let us put it to practical use. Let us thank him for being our high priest. And we can do this most successfully by living lives that are pleasing to him and by imitating the lives of the great saints and especially of his sorrowful and immaculate mother. For these next two weeks, as you strive to really make them penitential and really 14 days of showing our Lord how much you love him and appreciate what he's done for you, pray to the Queen of Heaven Ask her to help resolve you to serve her son better, to follow his example, and she will help you to have the grace that you need and to follow her example, who never for an instant was an enemy of her creator. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.